Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. This is the Lockdown Leadership Network Series. Hope you're all well and looking forward to the Christmas break. So today's guest, it's uh, Liam Thomas from Highfield. He has been in recruitment for quite a while. They're based down in uh, Hampshire near Southampton. Um, And I first came across Liam at a TRN event. I was invited to... And he was on the stage and he was giving the story of his business. And I thought, wow, that guy's real impressive. So got to know him. He's been in our private uh, members community, The Bridge, uh, for scalable recruitment business owners. And uh, he's been a great contributor in there. And so we talked about some of that during the interview. Um, I suppose, what, what did we chat about? Well, we went into I suppose, some of the difficulties that he faced during COVID, how to get everybody on the right seat on the bus and to make sure that like to use another analogy that the everybody is rowing in the same direction and he's a big believer in that and everything they do as a business is all based around that so i kind of asked him the challenges of, of how you create something like that and how, how you can walk away from other business maybe to make sure that everybody's super focused we talked a lot about uh technology and what's working for him and uh, the business uses all the best tech and uh, he's real into it. And um, I'm, I'm massively into this at the moment. So speaking of technology, um, very lucky to have some great sponsors of this podcast, all of which I use in our scale business. And I've been working so hard to get that solution together. Been getting a lot of help by Richard Gibbard uh, at Recbound and you know, I've, I've been knitting together every piece of tech I can. Big believer in automation and in outsourcing everything that you can, except for sales and influence um, and splitting the, the recruitment function uh, from sales as much as possible. So our sponsors, uh, our main sponsor is Vincieri. We've been using them for a while now. Uh, we left their biggest competitor to join them for good reasons, because they're awesome and been a great partner of ours. Uh, our other partners, um, very recent one in uh, Sourcebreaker. I'm a big fan of this product and I'm really glad they came on board. So um, from a business development perspective, I have a big automated system, but they're a massive part of it because they'll tell me exactly which one of the clients, uh, potential clients within my niche are hiring. And then I'll work, then we'll get to work out like which candidate we can bring out. And it just helps to automate that whole system. Um, it's brilliant. Loads of time for it. Um, and then if you want to follow up on stuff or pitch things in the right way or pitch your processes, right, to sell retained, we use Audro for that piece. And a uh, big fan of them as well. So, uh, and more recently, hopefully from next week, we're going to have Recruiterly on board. Um, and more specifically, their data product, which integrates with Lemlist, the email solution that we're using at the moment. No sponsorship from Lemlist, but enjoying using it all the same. So a bit of a taste of the different techs that we're using out there. And if anybody wants to give me a shout on that, I've been doing loads of research on this site. And uh, we're going to have some great offers through the Lockdown Leadership Network coming very soon, bringing the best tech to the market. Um, for now, I hope you guys, you know, we're all able to pay your tax bill like we were. Thank God. 
Um, looking forward to that break and enjoy this podcast with Liam. I enjoy doing it. Good lad. Great business. Um, yeah, one of one of the one of the, one of the guys that's going to have a big exit in the next five to ten years. All right, welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. I'm joined by Liam Thomas. Look at that for a beautiful smile. <laughs> hey, are you smiling because we're on the other side of this pandemic now? I think I'm smiling because we survived the pandemic. That's probably <laughs> the biggest reason for it, I think. <laughs> yeah. The first time I came across you, um, James Osborne invited me to an event and I went in and I sat around a, a, a table of people who weren't quite impressive, but they had the golden child on the stage. And that was yourself. And this was, you were like, it was boom time. We were all talking about, I, 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 I think like you had followed a, a specific plan and it had worked. And that was what the whole talk was about. And one of the things stood out to me was you had your vision uh, on a board in the office and that made up your wallpaper. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Still got it. Oh, very good. And what did that entail? Like walk me through what that, what that was, how that came about. It was basically a, a four year plan. And uh, as we talk in November uh, at the moment, it was uh, meant to be coming to an end at the end of this year. So uh, back if you look at March this year, we'd uh, all on target for, for knocking it all out of the park. But uh, yeah, it's been, it was a good journey. We did it about three and a half years ago, step by step, got the whole company involved and said, you know, in four years time, what sort of business do you want to work for? What does it look like? How many people do we have? What clients are we dealing with? What do you want your colleagues to look like? And then sort of help mold it and shape the, the future of the business plan, really. And who... Who gets involved in it? Like, walk, like, walk me through it from its genesis to how it gets implemented. Yeah, so you, you mentioned uh, James from the Recruitment Network. This was, uh, this was a bit of Gordon's work, actually. So he came down to sunny Hampshire, did a, a day with us. I think we went to the pub, actually, and split us into two groups. We had the management team and then the consultants as well. He sort of ran sessions with both, and he facilitated it really well. And the ideas that the, the consultants came up with, you know, maybe he tapered them a little bit. I think we had, we were probably about 20 odd people at the time. And we had a couple of consultants said, yeah, I think in uh, four years time, we can have 500 people, no problem. So I think maybe we aligned a few expectations in there and, and kept it realistic. But we came out of it with a, a bit of a roadmap that we all agreed together what we want the company to, to look like in, in four years time. Got it knocked up into a lovely road with lots of milestones and KPIs, that dirty word on there. And yeah. we went along really, and it was all going swimmingly. Yeah. So um, what unique stuff came out of it that you weren't expecting? For me, there was a really big focus on, on quality and reputation. So you know what it's like when you're in the, the head of a business owner, you can get lost in the figures a bit too sometimes. And yeah doing well and the profit looks okay that can cover up you know quite a few sins so the interesting stuff that came out of it was how reputation focused everybody want us to be you know we want a hundred percent of our clients to recommend us which is a pretty good ask but that's what that's what we wanted 
we want every single person who works here to recommend us as a great place to work. So yeah, yeah there was a lot of reputation focused stuff that came out of it rather than just the, you know, I'm sat there looking at the, how much GP do we turn into eBay yeah. and kind of boring things and you oh. realize it's quite important to everyone else. Salespeople like making excuses, Liam, you know that. Um, how can a salesperson who hasn't billed you loads of money leave and be like, they're the best business in the world? That, that's the, that. It's the impossible juxtaposition, isn't it? Uh, I think, yeah, I'm not sure we've quite cracked that one yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. It does tend to be someone else's fault. But then we do talk a lot about, you know, responsibility here. Yeah. And, take responsibility for if you've got a target you know maybe covid you, you can say well it's not quite my fault this year but you still got a responsibility to do something about it so yeah i uh, i follow closely jocko wilkins uh podcast extreme ownership have you checked that out yeah yeah but i'm definitely he's uh he's up a couple of notches from our level of responsibility yeah <laughs> uh, he's some character that guy definitely oh man i just love i just love it i can't get enough of it uh, fire fires me up. I'm all into the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the moment, so it's. Uh, are, you, are you training it yourself? Yeah, yeah, oh, I mean, nice. like I've it. done it on and off for a bit, and I did judo as a kid. So, um, yeah, I'm in the throes of it. Uh, uh, I'm too old to do any MMA or too delicate for that. I so do, I do a bit of kickboxing. So if you put, you know, put my striking and your ground game together, we might have a half decent MMA fighter. Yeah, it might be. It might be a pub brawl, all right. Um, so you still do kickboxing, do you? Yeah, yeah, still do it all the time. I've uh, had a my online Zoom kickboxing session last night, and yeah. uh, we've got a grading uh, next month as soon as lockdowns uh, released. So yeah, going for my next belt. Are you tall? Are you? No, I'm five foot eleven. Okay, it fa- if kickboxing favors tall guys, I find you know. Um, yeah, you've got a good. If you've got a good reach, it's handy. But then. Yeah. You know, if you're carrying a bit of extra timber, yeah, like there's no uh, there's no leg kicks either, which is a bit weird. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, we'll go off topic. I could talk about martial arts all day long. Um, so you had your plan. You got the consultants involved. You got their buy-in. Um, you executed it with milestones. Um, and it was. In a boom market, everything was going well. What about the plan? In hindsight, worked really well. Like what? Which which parts of it? I would say you know it's the buy-in from the start. If it would have been rolled out by the management team, you, you you feel like you'd be trying to constantly sell it to people all the time. Where actually, if they've helped shape you know what they want the company to look for, they're taking ownership, they're taking responsibility in that. Yeah. They've come out of the meeting and said that we want a hundred percent of our clients to recommend us to their colleagues and people in other businesses. Okay, then you put it back on them and say, well, how are you going to make that happen? What can you do? So I'd say the ownership definitely in, of getting everybody in the business to, to shape the business plan. But also at a board level, every quarter we break off another chunk. How can we make that boat go a little bit faster towards our, yeah. our business plan? What can we what can we bite off in the next three months? Set some objectives around that, and then just keep getting that bit closer every time. What one of the things I, I remember now from your chat um, was um, you talked a lot about the boat actually, um, the boat going in one direction and staying to it, and what that translates to in recruitment terms. The way you described it was that 
if you do construction recruitment, right? And uh, a lot of overseas stuff, as far as I remember. And some of it might have been commercial. Is that right? Yeah, and, and data centers as well. And data centers as well. Um, and what you find is when your teams are doing lots of BD, they'll go, hey, can you fill this job as well? And one of the things you said was to, to get them to say no to that, to focus on what they were doing, was one of your greatest challenges. Um, how did you manage to get them to say no to that? And did that change in the pandemic? I think through experience as well, you know, starting the business myself, we were filling anything we could get our hands on. So yeah, it's right. very well preaching and, uh, you know, having these idealistic goals. But I know I've been in the chair when, you know, an administrator role comes in for one of your clients. Yeah, we'll fill that. No problem yeah. at all. We're not, we're not too precious for that. So it's different when you've got to put money in the bank to pay the insurance bill and things like that. So yeah. I think the way we communicated it to you know, all of the, the team members was, we really want to be experts in what we do. That's the bit of value we're going to add to our clients that hopefully others can't. If you dilute that, they're not going to look at you as favorably. Your knowledge isn't going to increase. And also your clients do respect you if you only feel what you, you know, a very niche amount of things. Mm. So I think that's definitely helped. In, in the pandemic, we, we stuck to that, to be honest. We didn't, uh, we didn't change and just grab anything we could. We, we had a logical plan. We panicked like hell, I think like everyone else did in the, uh, at the end of March and start of April. Yeah. Once we got through that panic, it was about pivoting. We looked at each desk forensically and then we mapped out a plan, which desks were viable, which desks weren't viable. And we just made some really sort of clean cut, hard decisions and put people on a track where, you know, we felt they had the best chance of success and stuck to that. Where were you day one of your day one of the pandemic? <laughs> Picking myself up off the floor mainly, but I think having been through 2008, that was a really good experience to have been through that. That made me a lot calmer and the decisions we took were definitely a lot better having been through the experience before. God, yeah. the world didn't shut down in 2008, though. The, the world didn't shut down, so it's very different from a personal point of view. But yeah. from a business point of view, in 2008, someone turned a tap off for us. It was, really? It was quicker than COVID, to be honest with you. For, uh, you know, our contract book was absolutely decimated, more than it was in COVID. So I think there's two different aspects from it. From a business point of view, this was easier. And it was just the personal challenges that were a lot more difficult this time around. Mm. Um, you're, uh, you're part of a, a few of our leadership groups that we have. Um, has it been interesting seeing what different perspectives of, of other people at your level are doing? Yeah, it's good. There's some, you know, there's some good uh, ideas and knowledge and things flying around on there. Uh, the IF thirty five has been helpful as well. Andy knows his stuff. What he's talking about on there, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah, it has been good, especially from different people around the world. It's good that it's an international community. You've got what's working well in Australia, in Europe, in the states as well. It's nice to have that kind of knowledge from different parts of the world. We're super keen to organise a bunch of piss ups. After this, <laughs> the the Australian group actually, we uh, they had one already. So the the Australian guys came to us and said. Uh, Okay, we like that it's international, but Australia's different. We want our own WhatsApp group. Okay, 
we want our own event. COVID isn't as bad here. Oh fuck, okay. Uh, so we we kind of we threw threw an event together and it went well. But super keen to do a bit of that, uh, bit of that here. Um, a South Coast one would be fun, wouldn't it? Oh, very much so. Very much so. I think uh, you know we've got everything you need down here. We've got the weather. We've got the events. I think the South Coast one's got to be on the radar for next. Yeah, year. yeah, big time. And uh, I mean, you're both based down here. Uh, <laughs> That's a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, that 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 leads me to an inter- like so your business interests me because you didn't feel the need to move to a major hub. Um, you'll not you'll forgive me for Colin Hampshire, not the not the greatest hub, but it is a bit of a recruitment hub. Like there's a couple of there there's a few hundred recruiters down there between between uh, some 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 big players, you know, Match Tech and their their parent company who you came from. Um, on that roadmap, was there international offices, and has COVID changed your plan? Your plans on that? Yeah, definitely. So in, in our in our roadmap, there were international offices on the on the horizon. What we're seeing at the moment is how well we can recruit from the international business hub of Hampshire. You know, it's, yeah, it is surprising what you can do with a really good internet connection. To be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Do you want this big expense of an office in Dublin, New York, and Singapore? Is that really, really important? Can you provide just a good service from working different hours in the UK and being flexible in that way? You know, with the way the world is at the moment, I don't think there's many big leases in these hubs of, of London and New York that are going to be extended, certainly to the same capacity which they've been in. So, you know, we've been chatting about remote workers based in in strategic global hubs and different options around that. So yeah, it's just looking flexibly and being agile to the way the market's going. And if you can recruit some talent who can work for you on a more agile basis in a a WeWork or similar, then that may be a good option for going forward. Yeah, that's what I've done myself. Um, It's funny because we're at such an earlier stage in in that business that um, we're definitely guilty of just filling anything. But I've also put in the long-term plan that it's going to be tech sales. Here's all the tech we're going to use. Here's the niche. Here's how we do it. Here's the BD person. But let's make some money at the same time <laughs> to keep to keep the lights on, you know. So it's a it's a it's hard to get those roadmaps in. And we've all been there, though. You know, it's just it doesn't matter. You can have the the you know Mike Tyson quote. You can have the best plan in the world yeah. till you get punched in the face, you know, and that. Yeah. That that VAT bill is going to punch you in the face if you don't pay it. So you've got to get those uh, those deals in and, and make sure the pipeline's looking good just to, to keep your head above water. Have you thought much about that? What that looks like to maybe get somebody in New York and get somebody in LA and would do you feel that maybe that they'd be the BD person and then you do the delivery system from 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 Sunny Hampshire? Yeah, I think so. We've got a good you know, a very good crew of people who know the, the, the candidate markets across the world working here. So it's about opening up those new clients and getting in with those uh, those markets. And it can be quite intimidating, particularly somewhere like the US, where, you know, every state's almost like a country within itself. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just trying to work out like we do with everything, have a plan, then how do you execute it? Like one yeah. chunk at a time, really. And I, I'm going through this at the moment from uh, from a strategic perspective, um, using things like Crunchbase and 
lem list and source breaker and how that integrates with the data thing and like it i swear i have more advisors and tech than nasa does right now it's uh it's it's not and then yeah and then i'm like and then and then the recruiters come and go i don't even know what i'm doing and you're like just just uh, let's let's put that under a process document for you jesus that document's fucking huge what are we doing and i'm like no no let me walk you through it it's very simple this is going to make your life easier so it's uh yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm at at the moment it's uh but i i enjoy all that stuff you know it's a uh, it's fun and it's fun to talk about it and to get all the tech to play together um we've because, got some good stuff like that similar at the moment that we're working on and uh we, we definitely took a step back during COVID to evaluate our tech stack and see where we are with everything. What do we need to add in? And we put a couple of good, you know, good systems in this year that are already- you Got any shout outs on any of the stuff that you're using that works? Yeah, a, a brand new one actually. Uh, we're the first UK customer for a, a company called Recruiter Insider. So they're Australian and they integrate with, uh, we have a bullhorn, integrate with bullhorn and a couple of other CRMs, I think. But it's basically a feedback uh, survey automated that Whoa. runs in the background. And it's linked in really, really well to, uh, you know, the roadmap and making sure that everyone's going to recommend us and we're doing a really good job. I think they're quite big in Australia at the moment, where the, where the pilot UK customer for them. That sounds great. Um, I'll, have a, I'll have to check out, out with them. Hallad will be hustling them. Um, <laughs> so he does all the bad guy stuff um, that's really good because Australia the type of recruitment that you're interested in and building your reputation and all that like I've spent time in Australian recruitment and reputation's everything because they're yeah. regional based in how they do things so if you if you dirty your bed anywhere you're finished yeah. and it sounds like that's that's super important to the business that you're trying to build as well. Massively similar, you know, back in back ten years ago in the the first UK recession that I've been involved with, we did probably eighty percent of our business in the Middle East in the UAE, Saudi. It's quite similar over there. You know, you need to sit down and uh, smoke a shisha with them, and they yeah. need to wipe up your eyes before they're going to do a deal with you. So it's similar, I think, in in Australia and that part of the world. Well, what was that like the first trip over there? <laughs> busy <laughs> you've got you've got people in the office saying oh you know send us a picture of this and you know what are the beaches like and like in reality you get off the plane at six in the morning go to the hotel for a quick shower your first meeting's at 10 and you're here there and everywhere trying to do as much business as you can but everyone in the work just thinks you're off having a jolly and uh sitting yeah. on the beach what uh what was like the, the difference in doing a meeting there? Was there any like local cultural norms that you had to adhere to? Yeah, there's lots of, you know, different etiquette and like nuances that you have over there when meeting people. But we were quite lucky that we dealt with a lot of British companies over there and a lot of expats. So we had a bit of a guiding hand when we were meeting some of the, uh, the yeah. local Emiratis and people in Doha and, you know, the, the different... Uh, yeah, the different regions over there. So we had a bit of a helping hand because yeah. we took the business we did in the UK and dealt with the companies in, in that location. Super interesting. What other, what other tech stuff came out of your review? Uh, what have we got? We've got quite a good tech stack. I did a talk at Bullhorn Engage a few weeks ago, actually, when we went through our tech stack. But alongside uh, Recruiter Insider, I think we've got, we're just rolling out Hairfish. 
I think it's something that a few people are talking about. You know, yeah. automation is something that when we reviewed our business, it's going to be really important, especially if everyone's trying to be lean going forward for, you know, if this pandemic stretches out a bit more, how can you be as lean as possible and as efficient as possible? So Hairfish looks like a good product for that. We're still getting to grips with the early stages of it, but I think... Does Bullhorn own Hairfish? Yeah, Bullhorn. They were a tech startup a few years back and then Bullhorn bought them, so now part of Bullhorn. So now somebody else will have to have a competitor that integrates with everybody else, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a gap in the market. Someone will be there working away on a, uh, a solution for that problem, definitely. I've actually, yeah, I've heard a few people talk about that one. So that's interesting. And what, what, uh, what other stuff have come, have come out that, that you rate? So what we got at the moment, we're using CloudCall for our comms, nice and easy, click to call, people working at home, walking around looking cool, doing phone calls on their AirPods and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, Bullhorn is good as a CRM for us. It, it integrates nicely with our back office and our payroll system. So we've got that all synced and running. All the timesheets run really, really smooth. So we run quite a lean back office here. So that's good. Uh, the cloud call stuff was really good for the call listening and the uh, the training in lockdown when everybody was fully remote. Yeah. So going from that side-by-side coaching to having people who've been in the business six weeks and you're letting them loose on the phones in their own home. You're like, Tough. wow, that's just terrifying. So and then you can see if they're actually doing it or not as well. And yeah, yeah, but it's more like there is that as well. I, I don't think we ever really had the, the trust problem with people doing the work here. What's more scary is them doing the work and doing it badly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It, uh, yeah, they, I, lo- I just love getting a new bit of tech toy. What what else, Simon? You must have you must have you must have some more. What else have we got? What are you using to get your data? Just the normal sort of uh, LinkedIn. I've been looking at a product as well, Seamless AI. Uh, that looks quite good. Yeah. Uh, I think we probably need to get another person in the business to to run something like that, who's a bit more tech focused. But it's yeah. like a, a bolt on, and it it scrapes certain information from LinkedIn and around different places on the web to get. Uh, contact details and things like that so if we were going to map out a new market for example and we wanted to look at all the data center providers on the east coast of uh, America you can kind of plug all that information in there scrape the data out and then start pumping content out to them yeah yeah we're we're in we're in something like that at the moment I'm uh, looking at uh, the guys at Recruiterly have a new product out so um, that that should have all the data we need um, it's funny every time you get a toy you need another toy to, to talk to it and then like I found like every time so like I'm I'm going through this at the moment and it's like hey I, I don't have this I don't have I don't know which company to call oh right okay give, give me a second oh okay here's source breaker right Th- this should help you that that number that number uh, there's not enough numbers okay all right okay let's let's go get recruiterly right here's a t- thing um what about the what about email marketing builder? Okay, right here. Let's go get let's go get the lem list. Right, okay. Does that speak with recruiterly? Oh, I don't know. Let me go. <laughs> I'm my head's ready to explode with it all. Um, when you're putting your job now as a CEO, and I know you're you're looking at numbers, you're looking at tech. Um, who do you handball stuff to to fix? Is that somebody else? Is that you? Like, what what's your job now? Cool. 
problem solver, dog's body, all the stuff that someone else doesn't want to do. Yeah, yeah no, my, my job is just trying to like, talking about that boat analogy as well, plotting the course for where we want to go and then how do we get there really, breaking it down, making it manageable. Because if you speak to someone about where we want the company to be in four years, everyone looks at that and they think, yeah, it's a great pipe dream, but yeah. how are you actually going to implement that? What are you going to do? How are you going to break that down and make that into, you know, small little wins that will take us take us one step closer so i think that's probably my job and trying to i'm, I'm quite lazy so trying to delegate as much as possible to other yeah. people i am too i get that um the i always wondered about the i i was always against like putting loads of people in call centers around the world i always thought like that's just madness considering how much it costs to do that in new york i remember hearing like faden's rent bill as soon as the pandemic happened and i thought Wow, like listed business, they, like they're fine, but that's a serious, serious. If they, if it had been them before they sold and they were caught in that moment, like that would be, yeah. that would be pretty scary. Um, how much do you think when you're scaling a company, putting offices out there is about your own ego versus like what is actually going to help the business move forward? Yeah, I think it's also, there is definitely a bit of a, you know, a bit of the Del Boy syndrome where you want your van and you want your different locations yeah. on, you know, but also I think it's about where you've come from and what were you used to. So, you know, we were very lucky here. We came from a, a brilliant business that had about 300 recruiters in, in one building. Yeah. So I think the strap line that we were told to say when we worked there, you know, 15 years ago is, we're the biggest single site recruitment agency in the UK. And they were so proud of being the biggest single site. Uh, but when you've seen uh, a company dominate as they did back then with just one office, you kind of understand what's possible. Why can't you do that, but just make the world a smaller place? It's getting smaller all the time. Yeah. Why do you need lots of big offices around the world? Why can't you have maybe some uh, a main delivery office and then some key players in different strategic locations around the globe who are working flexibly. Yeah. I think uh, this has probably pushed our industry more to be thinking like we're a tech startup rather yeah. than a call center sales business. Um, and I, I find that I study a lot, a lot what people are saying, you know, in different groups and stuff. And I feel like a lot of the guys in their forties and fifties are really adverse to it. Like they just, they just harp back to S3. They just want that, that control, that pace. On the other side of this, knowing that it's tough to get the best out of people working from home, that you do like having a single site major office. How, how are you mixing that spread of office versus home, home working when, like, when, you'll, like, when all the restrictions go away? What do you visualize? I think it will be quite relaxed about it really and a lot of it would be just down to performance and quality so you know like we were saying before it's not really the trust element of people actually doing the work the fear for us is is the quality going to be as high as if you're in the office when we can you know you know what it's like if someone sat a couple of desks past you you can say next time how about you try this and yeah. maybe say it that way but that's the piece for me that you miss out on and nobody wants to be sat on cloud call all day listening to people's calls back. you know nightmare it's, it's painful so it's that that one-to-one -one coaching but if people are performing doing the numbers they're happy engaged then you know we're pretty relaxed about it going forward it's uh, it's not about 
you know, how many calls you make. If, if you're hitting your targets at the end of the day and you're happier and more productive at home, then, you know, good luck to you. So where do you see yourself in five years' time? <laughs> good question. I need to do another one of those plans. Yeah. <laughs> it's about, you know, most important for me is continue to be happy and in the role that I'm doing every day. Uh, stay healthy, keep kickboxing and come to work with a smile on my face every day. The company will grow a lot naturally. I think it's because we've got a lot of ambitious leaders in the business already who are going to push it forward. Mm. But I think we will grow in headcount, maybe not as much as we planned, but we will be more of a streamlined, automated business who yeah, our marketing team will grow a lot, definitely. Yeah. I think much more than we've planned. So at the moment, we don't have enough marketeers per headcount of sales consultant. So I think that balance will definitely be addressed. People are so hungry for content now. Yeah. It's certainly opened our eyes to, we, you know, we're hiring a copywriter at the moment. Yeah. If you said that to me 12 months ago, you're hiring someone full time just to do copywriting. I'd have said you were crazy. So it's about being flexible. And I think we will grow, but just perhaps in slightly different ways than we thought a year ago. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But I suppose the, the pandemic's given us all a bit of time for reflection on on how we can fix things because when things are going well you're like it's not broken yeah just gonna crack on how, how long have you been doing the kickboxing for i've uh, been doing it about eight years now so when you go there everything else leaves your mind right oh it's brilliant it'd be even better when we can start sparring again like yeah. after the restrictions because we're not doing contact at the moment so it's uh, more the drills and the pad work but uh Especially when you're sparring, you know, you can't think about anything else. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, you have to survive. Jiu-Jitsu, the difference between kickboxing and jiu-jitsu is in jiu-jitsu, you spar at 100%. So you're, you're literally fighting for survival. So it's, you can't think of anything else. And then you come out. Kickboxing to a certain extent as well. Um, there, there's a difference in, like I've done kickboxing too. And when you go in there, it can get a bit tastier. Like if somebody gets caught, it, it, get, it gets tasty quick and, and, and you're in a different place. Whereas jiu-jitsu, you rare, like because you're both going at it and you know you can't really get punched or anything, it's a slight different psychology. Yeah. But uh, I don't think anybody who runs a business, go do some martial arts, kick the shit out of some people, get battered. There's definitely nothing more dangerous in kickboxing than a really over-enthusiastic yellow belt. Yeah, oh man. Um all right, listen, that's us today. Uh, really interesting hearing where you're at, where you're going. And let's do this South Coast event on the other side of this. Let's figure it out. We have a few people down here. I'm mad for a pint. This is... Uh, Snap. Let's <laughs> <laughs> fall on. Um, thanks so much for coming on, Liam. Yeah, cheers, Delta. Take, Take care. Take care, pal. Bye.